Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today I'm talking with Winston Price. Winston, a senior executive producer, has over a decade and a half of marketing, advertising, and public relations experience. He began his business career in 1995 and is a graduate of Indiana University Bloomington. Winston also is a master martial artist and personal trainer with over two decades of knowledge and experience. As an executive Executive producer for Voice America, Winston utilizes his skills in business and personal training to help new and existing hosts maximize their opportunity with the Voice America Talk Radio Network by supporting his hosts with the business and personal aspects of creating and developing their show. Winston believes that each host brings their own flavor to the network, and by properly coaching and motivating his hosts, they are able to produce their show with their style and their passion, being at the forefront of every broadcast. And full disclosure, I know all this from personal experience, because Winston is my executive producer. Welcome, Winston. Hello, Cheryl. It's nice to speak with you again. (laughs) I I know. It's it's, uh, nice to do it. In a different way than usual. Usually you're helping me to, well, you helped me develop the show. You've, you've um, actually trained me a lot on how to get the word out about the show. You know, I've learned so much from you. But I know it won't offend you when I say that that would not have prompted me to ask you to be a guest. Um, something else prompted me to invite you on the show, which is that... Uh, Way back when I first met you, uh, not too long after we met, actually, I think you you were telling me you had some pretty rough early experiences, and that stood out because you're maybe one of the most positive and motivated people I know. Um, (laughs) And so I figured you had a story to tell that really does fit with this show. Well, that's actually one of the things that you and I first began to talk about in the very opening developments of this show, Good Grief. Uh, From my remembrance of our conversations, uh, you didn't define grief as many others do. Your definition, to me, is so much grander and broader. Uh, When people think of grief, now this is going back, God, was that three years that we've had this conversation? Almost, almost. (laughs) Yeah, it's coming on up on three years, isn't it? (laughs) Right. So when we first started having conversations about this show, you started to talk about grief uh, uh, coming from a sense of loss and not solely a loss of a life of a person, a loss of opportunity. 
you know, when people start to realize uh, the things that they've lost because of their sex, because of their race, because of their uh, socioeconomic standing, because of their gender, because of their sexuality, there is a grief in there as well that you help people get through. And when you said that to me, I was like, I love this woman. Because you had and have that grander understanding uh, that helps, um, well, that helps so many people better understand themselves. And so let's let's apply that with you a bit because I know that childhood was pretty rough. I I wonder if you can talk about that because as you know. I'm very intent on this show of not ever giving the impression we easily find our way through all those griefs you just mentioned, that they really do hurt, (laughs) and they really are losses. Um, One thing you make me think of is a guest, Francis Weller, who has a five gates of grief idea that stuck with me very much, and one of them is Sorrows of the World. And another is losses of things that never were, like for many people, a safe childhood. So can you talk some about that? Oh, I can talk a lot about that. <laughs> so uh, my, the very first thing I'm, I'm, I'm going to begin with is, is that my childhood is not the epitome of the worst. There are people who have it out there far harder than I had. And also, the things that I went through, I would never want anyone else to go through at all, flat mm. out. Okay, so uh, start off with the, um, with the raised by single mother, uh, single mother, three kids. And so she, my mother, worked two registered nursing jobs in Detroit in the 80s. So she was working uh, 50 to 80 hours a week because these are full-time jobs while raising three children. Now, also uh, bring in the idea of how I was raised. Uh, There's no other way to put it as our punishments were beatings. Okay, they weren't spankings. Uh, They weren't slaps on the butt. Uh, We would get pots and pans upside the head. We would get sticks broken against us. We would get switches and we would have bleeding welts. Let's be real about it. Okay? I wish that Absolutely. on no one. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I wish that on no one. I will never put a hand on my child like that, ever. I always, this is something I'll come up later, I always find a better way. There's always a better way. So there's the uh, initial context of my childhood. And there are millions of people out there, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions, which is sad, that have gone through this and honestly didn't make it out. And they're still going through their lives today, not realizing that they need to face the fact that they were beat for no good reason. Let's just be real about it. Okay. And, and you, you just, uh, did something in the course of talking that I do find a lot, too, where people will say, well, I didn't have it the worst. And while that may be true, we're all in our own context, aren't we? Absolutely. And I don't find that it directly relates what happened and what the result is. Uh, it's, it's how it affected us as little people, isn't it? Oh, let's get into little people. Gosh, when... <laughs> When I yes, was let's. right when I was uh, uh, five years old, uh, living in Inkster, Michigan, 
I was uh, sitting on a love seat, the little two cushioned couch, sitting on the a love seat, and I was crying, crying, crying. So my mother asked me, like, "Why are you crying? Why are you what, what's going on?" And I told her, "I feel lonely." At the age of five, I really mm-hmm. understood this depth of emptiness that consumed me to the point of me feeling hollow. And the issue is, is I didn't feel connected to my mother. I didn't feel connected to my brother or my sister. And it was uh, in, in part, if not mainly, due to the relationship that we had. You know, we, we fought. We fought, we fought, we fought. You know, we got beatings, we got spankings. Uh, my brother and sister, they were tight. I wasn't a part of their group, you know, and I, yes. I, I, I never had that to me. I'll say it that way. To me, I never had that connection. So this is why I love Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. Uh, what he brought to the table is the understanding that children are nothing more than little humans, and we should not treat them as the quote-unquote child solely as a, a great um, energetic intellectual person who just might not have the vocabulary that we do. And that's interesting because I know that you studied communications and uh, I'm, I'm thinking of this little five-year-old who wants connection and doesn't have the skills for it, and doesn't have the context for it. Would that be fair to say? Yes. And so then you you develop and you become very interested in communication because that is one way to connect, isn't it? Absolutely. Do you do you see those two things as connected for you? Oh, completely, uh, completely. Uh, my my issue was uh, also in growing up. I had a severe stutter. So not only did not did I not have the words, they wouldn't even come out properly. Come out. <laughs> I've not. Some of my best friends have grew up with stutters. It's really a unique experience, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Now, also, also, as much as I'll say um, no connection and feeling of emptiness and these other things when it comes to my family, there are also objective notes to where they helped me out the most. Uh, my sister. Once again, I had a severe, and still have, it'll come across every once in a while, people who know me will will actually pick up on it. My sister, she came to me, and she said, you're not stupid, let's just start there. And gosh, Mm. I was seven, I was about seven years old, so she was nine. Now, no, this is how a seven and nine-year-old were talking to each other. Mm -hmm. You're not stupid. What you need to do is think before you speak. Think before you speak. And then that later on changed my life. Later on, when I was about uh, f- f- oh, 15, 15, I was sitting down with a friend's father. And we were talking back and forth. And he said, you should be a lawyer. You speak so well. What's going on? And I was like, oh, all these things that I talked about, my stutter and whatnot. And he says, hey, I've noticed the stutter. And you're so brilliant and smart. The thing is, is you have so many things going on in your head that you just want them to come out. And that, that, it gave me pride in myself. And we'll actually get into that a little bit later on in the show as well. Well, Winston, isn't it amazing that uh, these, these things said to us, I think of children as hypnotic, 
And the things, the hurtful things that are said to us stick, but also the things that contradict it. Uh, those two statements imprinted on you. You did not forget them. And they were there for you later on, it sounds as if. Absolutely. And they're still here today. I still think before I speak. I think before I act. I really, really do. And it throws a lot of people off. And here's my thing. I don't react. I act. I am very planned out. Uh, you know this about me. I, I am, do. I, I, I am particular on excellence. So when I act, people will believe that it's something that I just came up with and this is some sporadic random happening. No, I've been going through this for the past three weeks, three years in my mind about in this situation, what particularly will I and am I going to do? This way I don't react. I actually act. What that brings up in my mind is that the same things that maybe trouble us also serve us. So I can imagine being a kid, a little kid, five, six, seven, and being careful because it's an environment where you get, get beat if you do wrong of some sort. And a little kid would think, if I do everything right, nothing will happen. So that's, that's a sort of fearful aspect, mm-hmm. but the way you've used that is, I'm going to be intentional. Yes. And so one morphed into the other, or there are two aspects of the same, maybe that would be <laughs> more yeah, accurate. Yeah, I'll go ahead and say there are two aspects of the same. It was the idea of, uh, if I don't, and this is what's very, very literal, if I don't fill up the ice cube tray, we're, I'm going to get beat. So I am going to fill up the ice cube tray flat out. Okay. Now, uh, all, now, also, if I stutter or if I do something that is silly, it's not going to be a funny family joke. It's going to be a point of verbal, mental, and emotional abuse because they talked about me. I mean, heck, my, my, my mother would tell me how, how ugly I was flat mm. out, mm. okay, um, and how stupid I was and all these different things. And, and, and so I had to make sure that I did everything properly. Now, I did it, yes, because I didn't want to get abused. And it honestly made sense once I started to really think about what my sister would say and, 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 and then the reasoning of why uh, my mother was doing what she was doing. She wanted me to be the best I could be. And she was really focusing on excellence. Now, the issue is, is that quite possibly, and this is me giving a great benefit of the doubt, she didn't know any better. Because guess how she was raised? Guess how her parents were raised? Absolutely. Guess how her great-grandparents? We were raised being beat. That's just the issue of it. I mean, really think about it. Children have been beat forever. So this is how we're raised. We're raised in violence. So why would we not think that that's the way that you treat your children? Because you just beat them. Well, and this conversation is from my view, right on time with the horrors of the world right now, that violence has become so acceptable. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't, don't talk it out. Bomb them. Let's, yeah. 
and and interpersonal violence. Oh yeah, we ha- we have a problem together. We'll we'll sort it out that way. Oh yeah. Um, or not sort it out. I'll just get rid of you. Yeah, I'll. I'll, <laughs> you I'll know? I mean, I mean, end of problem. Oh yeah, I'll just go to a club and shoot you. Come on now. I'll just uh, 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 grab you and drag you behind in a truck. I'll just lock you in a basement and beat you until, well, you can't do anything because you're locked in the basement. These things happen continually and consistently in our society. And I also know that, uh, you know, for instance, a vast majority of people in our, in our um, prison industrial complex have – experienced abuse i i don't remember the statistics 90 or 95 percent uh and so that kind of behavior is normalized as you're saying but i'm really interested winston and we're almost at break time but i i want to get started and then come back to this some people do what you did which is to make something else out of it absolutely and, uh, boy, if we had a magic pill on that, if we could bottle it, we'd, we'd have a lot more money probably. <laughs> <laughs> but also just I'm, I'm so interested in your thoughts on what led for you, because we can only really know about ourselves on one level, what led for you to taking that turn away from the the kinds of knee jerk ways you were raised and the the pressures of it and made a different decision. Sounds good. So listeners, you we're going to go uh, on break for a couple minutes. And while we're on break, why don't you go to my Good Grief page at Voice America? You can like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, all those good things. And to find Winston Price, you can go to www.linkedin.com slash in slash Winston Price. Be back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Mm 
listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Winston Price, who is my most excellent executive producer and also a martial arts instructor, which we'll get into. And we've been talking about how some people, including you, can start from difficulty in early life and find their way through to their own realization uh, their own fulfilled life, and others can't. And I wondered what you think for you. You've mentioned a couple of things, like just a few comments people made to you that that indicated that you were more than those circumstances. But are there other things that you think made your life more possible, your adult life more possible? When really thinking about that, what I really focused on, what I really focused on was not being like my mother, flat out. Mm. It gave me an actual goal. Don't wind up like this. Don't wind up like that. Don't treat people the way you don't want to be treated. And you have an actual being that you can start to take notes from. And then I started doing that. And then I really thought to myself, and this is, this is around age eight, mind you. I really started to think to myself, hold on. If I can take notes on how not to be, I can also take notes on how to be. And so I had to figure out a way to, to find better examples. And so part of that, of course, is you have a, a keen intellect, your, your brain works quite well, um, you have a quality of perseverance, you know, you have some qualities, perhaps you came with them, perhaps you developed them, but they were possible for you. So that's in there somewhere. Absolutely. And, and, then, and then you applied them in a particular direction. Uh, it makes me think of a good friend of mine and a teacher of mine, Andrea Levine, who grew up in a very cold household, no mm-hmm. affection, no interaction. And she's one of the most uh, connective types of people I know. And she said, I could either learn how to be unloving or I could learn the value of love. Yes. So that's what the choice you made, too, to learn the value of connection and love from witnessing when it wasn't present. Absolutely. Now, in that development, uh, a core principle in that is actually development of self, which is one of the reasons, to me, mind you, this is my thought, my opinion, which is one of the reasons so many people actually never develop in that positive light. The reason is they actually have to take objective account of who they are. And not just all the fun, lovey, good parts of everything that's not proper as well. And a lot of people don't want to face that. 
they really, really don't. Now, go ahead. So what what do you think, because I agree with you, uh, making sense out of ourselves is is kind of how we transform through these experiences. What do you think in you geared you that way to look at yourself? Well, it was really the thoughts of why I was getting beat and really starting to parse out the why from the how. Okay, so when I say no good reason, you know, uh, kids get beat for no good reason. And Cheryl, you're going to love this one because this is going to be um, something you could probably write a paper on because I'm going to say this (laughs) next. I actually found good reasons for my mom to beat me. Okay, Um, I had what they called sticky fingers. I would steal stuff. I really, really would. Like I would, I would take from my mom. I would take from her coin purse, and I would, you know, take money and do things like that. Now, also, what I had to look at was was why was I doing that, and why did I continue to do that? And I had to look at myself and say, well, you are stealing, okay. And then when I really start to get into it, I had no respect for her. I really didn't. She beat me. I don't respect you. So I'm Mm. going to take whatever it is I want from you because you're not giving me what I want anyway. So there then, therein lied that that cycle. And I was like, well, if it's a cycle, a cycle can be broken. So maybe instead of waiting for the abuser to stop abusing you, you just stop giving them good reason. Okay. So that is a really interesting point you're making because on the one hand, I'm – following you I'm with you mm-hmm. and then on the other hand there really is truly absolutely no good reason to hit a child and, and I know what, you I know you agree with me on that yes. too <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 that's why I said you're really going to love that part of it because it is uh that uh that that dual idea of literally a victim blaming themselves Okay. Absolutely. Right. And now the issue is, and we'll get into the martial arts side of this as well. Maybe you shouldn't put yourself in a bad situation in the first place. Okay. Which is very useful with adults because some adults keep putting themselves over and over in that in that same situation that's familiar. Exactly. And there's a way that uh, your life as a martial artist uh, took you in a different direction. Uh, of safety, but it is interesting, isn't it, that the big place of reaction for you was the violence, mm-hmm. and some people would say, I, "I know, I know a lot about martial arts. I know this is not the bottom line, but it is a fight, right?" There uh, is a struggle. I'll say. And, str- <laughs> yes, and the, and this does lead me to a quote you sent me that I thought was. Um, very telling in terms of the way you view this part of your life. So I'd I'd like to read that. Uh, It's Jean Burnett. I hope I'm allowed to say all the words in this quote. Oh, yeah, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a fighter, and I don't train for fighting, competition, or duels. I do train to develop martial tools because life itself is a martial situation. Gravity and time will fuck us up just as bad as a ninja. It just takes more time. I train for daily life. Pushing is part of daily life. Also, we take all kinds of psychological pushes all the time. These pushes have physical correlates just like physical ones have psychological ones. 
To know how to push and receive a push is, I think, a good thing. Short, concussive, penetrating pushes, medium-range, bounce-em-back pushes, long-range, push-em-away pushes, all are good. Pushing hands to me is not as much a contest as it is an environment in which my balance and overall TC principles improve. I love pushing and I love being pushed. That's really interesting to me in the in the sense that you had this experience where your mom had the power, she used the physical power to punish you, maybe control you, etc. And that quote seems to me to be about the equalization, two people meeting each other in the push. Correct. Is that fair to say? That is directly fair to say, and that's exactly what I was getting at when I was stating what was I doing. I was actually pushing back with stealing, and that wasn't the proper way to push back. Uh, when When it comes to a struggle, a struggle only happens when two forces are struggling against each other. Once one force stops the struggle, the struggle's over. And that's something that I love about the martial arts that I've learned through uh, the actual movements. And it's something that I really loved learning about life. When people come at you with their negativity, with their anger, with their frustrations, the only way it it, it can be a struggle is if you start to push back on the same line. That's a martial arts term and it's a life term. Don't push back on the same line. You have 359 other angles you can come back at. Uh, uh, One of the first things that happen when people take the martial arts sometimes is, you know, they go through situational self-defense things and, you know, we'll grab their lapel, we'll uh, put our two hands around their neck in a simulated choke. Sometimes we choke just so they know what a choke feels like. We'll grab their wrist. And what they do is they focus on what ever part is being touched and they try to get that off and then we say hold on let's just stop for a second because we're in a safe environment look at all of these other things you can do instead of focusing on the part that's being grabbed how about you focus on the fact that they're grabbing your lapel and you have two hands and two feet so what can you do with those instead of trying to fight this one part And that's what I was really getting at when I was saying, hold on, well, I am stealing from my mother. And I'm doing this in rebuke to being. And also, as a, probably as a, uh, you know, acting out is a way of getting some attention to the situation. Absolutely. It's it's not an effective way, usually, but it is an attempt, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, and And you're hitting it right on the head. It's not a proper way to come at that situation. Now, note when you're, you know, five to God, 16, you, you don't know anything else, you know. Um, and it would be better if you did know something else. And well, you, you do what you know, you do what you can. Oh, gosh, what's the, um, there's a Malcolm X quote that I know I'm going to butcher. So I'll, I'll paraphrase it. And it's, uh, don't look down on the person that doesn't know, because at one point, you didn't know that as well. 
And I, yes. and I honestly believe that we as humans get on ourselves a lot for our own nescience and our own ignorance of all the things that, that we don't know. And we really start to ridicule ourselves and say, well, I don't know this stuff, so I can't and I won't. And I, it's too hard and it's the struggle and all these things. Instead of going, I don't know this. It's the information is out there somewhere. Let me go find it. I love it when uh, people say, you know, I don't want to start. Uh, there's a one thing. I don't want to start Tai Chi because I don't have any balance. I'm like, well, that's why you take Tai Chi so you can learn balance. <laughs> so, so right. yeah. So it's like I don't want to start something because I don't know how to get out of it. Well, you need to learn that. You need to get out of it to learn how to get out of it. I hope that made sense. That did make sense, and then that. That sort of folds into a couple of things for me, and one of them is the importance of a proper teacher. You know, here a little tell on us a little bit. I remember when we were first starting, and we would have those calls to develop the show and feedback and all of that, and you would start with, "Okay, do this differently, that differently." Mm And there was some point where I said, whoa, wait a minute, you have to tell me what went well first. Yep. You know, so um, that's a case in which I could have uh, sort of tried to go along with the way it was coming at me, mm-hmm. but I couldn't really process it. So I'm telling on myself that I had to actually claim the way you could teach me. And that and is... And I think a lot of people don't do that. At all. They don't. They cannot claim what they perceive to be a fault because they take it as a negative value of self that actually lessens them. It doesn't lessen you to be who you are and to speak who you are to other people. It made complete sense to me. She needs to hear something good first, so we start off on a positive note. Okay, great. You know, and when you run into those people who can actually talk about themselves, this is why people kind of like comedians because they can make jokes about themselves. <laughs> Indeed. Right. When you can actually critique yourself and understand this is who I am, it doesn't make me any better, it doesn't make me any worse, this is who I am, that's when actual real conversations can start to happen and people can actually grow and develop properly. And this is what I was talking about before in that development of self. People don't get through that in a positive manner because they get stuck on everything that they find as faults within themselves. So it's like when training a white belt. It is one of the grandest struggles because guess what? I started off as a white belt. Every black belt started off as a white belt. So we know the struggle. It's such a struggle to see other people doing it you can see how it's done, and then when you try to produce it, you can't and you don't. And so many martial artists stop as a white belt because they can't. I can't do the stance right. I can't do the punch right. I can't do this right. I can't do that right. And instead of going, you know what? I can't do this. I've been doing this for three days. I shouldn't be able to do this right now. It's going to take a little time. It's going to take time for me to understand, learn, and actually develop these skills so that in 3, 4, 10, 20, 50 years, I'll be able to do that. Well, that that implies that at some point along the line, even though perhaps your mother was not exhibiting compassion was not meant was not uh, modeling that for you 
you somehow realized you needed it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Because you can't do what you're talking about without self-compassion. You you can't be patient with the process unless you can be a little kind to yourself. Yeah. Um, w- so how did you get that? How did you get? How did you get that in your in your thinking that you were going to have to kind of support yourself through it and not expect more than you could do at a given time? So that actually didn't come from. Uh, that situation, story time. So I was 12 years old. <laughs> Gosh, I was 12. Um, nope, that, that's that story. Not telling that story. I was 14. There we go. So <laughs> Rolodex just moved around. <laughs> right? You're not getting the 12-year-old story. You're getting the 14-year-old story. So I was uh, 14, and I had a fun little crush on a female in high school. We went to Perry Meridian High School uh, in uh, Indianapolis. I don't mind saying that at all. And so I had a friend of mine. Now, this goes back to three-way. I, had a fr- I, I called my friend, and then I had a friend of mine call the girl, right? And, of course, I wasn't going to say anything because we were going to figure out if she liked me, right? Uh-huh. And then so what had happened was was conversation of me came up, and uh, what this uh, wonderful young woman had to say wasn't in compliment to me. And it hit me really, really hard. It hit me really hard. I went into um, a a rather deep depression. And I really felt, I really felt that I was never going to feel love, flat out. Uh, I was uh, around many people who were rather popular I didn't feel like I was that kind of popular. And then to hear this, it really hit me like, oh, my goodness, I, I am simply worthless. Now, uh, I was a freshman, um, and so I went into that depressive, depressed mode. For as, my in- as people that age do. do. And we're, and we're going to have to finish the story after the break. Cool. Uh, but that's, that's a fine place to leave it. <laughs> We'll come right back to it. I was depressed. Depressed. (laughs) So we we can identify you as a person who learns from your experience because you didn't stay there. And we'll talk about that when we get back. And uh, listeners, you can go to my website, weatheringgrief.com or the Good Grief page at Voice America. And again, to find Winston Price, you can go to www.linkedin.com slash in slash Winston Price. Back after the break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. 
all from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm here with Winston Price, and we're talking about how to find our way through difficulties and and find our own strengths through that, right up the alley of this show. And before the break, Winston, we left you as a depressed (laughs) 14-year-old, having been crushed by a girl's brutal assessment of you, apparently. Uh, And you said you went into a deep depression and that it had to do with fearing that you would never be loved. Can you go on with that story and say how you found your way? Because we were talking about how you use your experiences and find the patience to uh, carry yourself through things, patience and compassion to carry yourself through difficult moments. Absolutely. So freshman year happened. Uh, and to give you a nice little picture, imagine a five foot eleven, six foot, dark brown skinned person who was in all black, head to toe, black backpack, and and my '90s people, we understand this, with the little buttons on the backpack. All right, and I lit. I, I had dog chokers around my neck. I had two dog chokers that were around my arms. That I mean, they were my armor. They really, really were. Yes. Um, and so I would walk around the school with my head hanging down. Uh, the friends that I had before, the, the friend that was on the phone, uh, he was a part of a rather popular group. And I was walking down the hall one day, and this person, his name is Marcus Garrett. I don't mind saying his name. Mm-hmm. Marcus Garrett grabs me and pulls me. And he said, if you don't pick your head up, I'm going to beat you up. And I said, well, but, and, and I, I, I did the well, but, well, well but, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not cool or anything. And he said, do you know who the fuck you are? And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, you're a sophomore. You're, you're, you're a sophomore. You've been wrestling varsity since, the fresh, since your freshman year. You're going to be varsity football next year. You run track. You play orchestra. Everybody in this high school knows who you are. You don't even know who you are. I don't want to see you with your head down anymore. Have pride in yourself. So you've had some rough teachers, Winston. (laughs) (laughs) Had that happened to me, I might have not come out of the depression. (laughs) But he knew he could do that with you, apparently. Well, that's the thing about it. I was used to struggling, so I thought I had to struggle. Now, also, I was used to struggling, and I was looking for uh, other outlets of seeing um, better examples, and to get out of the house, there was sports. 
And sports, well, you're going to sweat, you're going to bleed, you're going to whine, you're going to cry. And I was used to that. I was used to getting beat. Okay, you can beat me all day long. All I got to do is run the ball. All I got to do is uh, uh, pin this person. Okay, I can do that. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize all of the positive things I was actually doing because I was so used to struggling. And what Marcus brought out was you've done so many positive things and you can't even recognize that in yourself. You need to look inside of yourself and see the value of yourself. And then I began to realize I don't need anyone else's love, especially if I don't even love myself. So I had to really learn to love me on all the objective. And you know me, I love being objective. On, you on, do. <laughs> on, on, on all of the objective fronts to see all of the positives that I've brought to other people's lives, all of the positives that I've actually brought to my own life. And then once I really start to understand that I didn't even love myself, then I got to understand how much there is of me that I can love and I really should love. And then I really started to love who I am. What's interesting about all of this is, um, you know, what what I think leads to change is an insight that marries an experience. Both have to be a part of it. Yes. And you're very gifted at the insight. And you could have just gone into insight, right? And that would that would make it be kind of intellectual. Mm-hmm. But you started doing things differently. Something let you bring the experience into it, and what a massive change uh, you brought about. Oh, absolutely. Uh, It was that year that uh, my friend and I, uh, my cousin and I, we went to Washington Square Mall, Indianapolis. Y'all know where that is. Uh, We went to Washington Square Mall, and we changed my outfits. We changed my appearance. Um, I still love black. Now, I'll wear black all the time now. However, I brought in blues and yellows and greens. And I really started to walk up with my head held high. Uh, My sophomore year was really one of the first years I I even started to take pictures of myself. I wouldn't even take pictures of myself before that. And for me, yes, there was this internal uh, uh, necessity of understanding self. And there's also action you must take. And to me, you have to do both. You have to have the internal movement and you have to have that external movement as well. And it's interesting because I watched a couple of videos of your of your training and you happen to be dressed fully in black, which would be the, I assume, the Tai Chi uniform. Um, so you, you incorporated that in a way that's very that serves your purposes. Oh my goodness. Uh, my uh, attitude of play changes dependent upon the colors that I wear. Uh, my Bagua instructor, uh, uh, Zach Crisp, he says, I can tell your attitude by what you wear and I can tell what you're going to throw at me uh, when you do so, when, when you, when you are a certain way. Um, anytime I'm in my all black, I am so internal. Because I'm shutting everything down. I'm shutting everything off. Mm. When I'm in my all white, when, whenever you see me testing, 
you're going to see me in all white because that's when I am out and about and this is me and this is who I am. And there's also white on top, black on block, back on bottom. And then there's black on top and white on bottom. <laughs> <laughs> you have got it worked out. Right? And, <laughs> now, and, mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, and, and, and it really goes to, and I like the high contrast because it goes to show what I'm really focused on and what I'm looking at. So if I'm really working on my stances, so my leg work, I'm going to wear my white pants. And if I'm really uh, uh, focusing on quieting down, so uh, not letting my uh, uh, arm movement be seen so much, be a lot more quiet, I'm going to wear my black top with that. So I can really work on focusing on my stances, making sure that they're proper and correct, and also working on the softness and subtlety of the arms. Now, also, when I really don't want, uh, when I really want to focus on the softness of my legs and the subtlety of the legs, I'll wear the all black. And then, and now guess what? When I wear the all white with the black on bottom, then I'm really focusing on uh, the uh, the grander movements uh, of the arm and the upper torso. Anyway. So uh, what, I'm, <laughs> what I'm hearing here is that for you, your art, and I'm assuming you try to bring this out in the people you're teaching as well, is really uh, very self-reflective. And that leads me back to a quote uh, you sent me from Masaki and Yoshiaki Hatsumi. I am not teaching you to fight. I am teaching you how to control evil. That's what we are really doing here. I, 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 am, I think we have to define evil. But <laughs> what I take from that is I'm looking for places of ill. Yes. And, and trying to address them. Yes. Does, do, have I interpreted that as you do? Yes. That is exactly what I do currently with my martial arts training it really helps me to find within myself and without of myself what is causing uh any any uh slowness of growth any uh retardation of growth because it could come from within inside of me and people need to understand that your life might be bad because you're doing a lot of things internally to cause that negativity. Now, also, your life might be bad because there are a lot of bad things going on going outside. On. Right? Thank you. <laughs> it's not all it's not about all. us. <laughs> it's not all about you. And, but and, we are in charge of our response, aren't we? Exactly. And that's why I really enjoy that mind. And I know this about myself. And that's why I enjoy my, uh, the uh, uh, mind play that I do with myself by even how I dress. So uh, I, I, you're reminding me of, of a, a story I heard when I was pretty young. I think I was about 25. Uh, most of my friends, mostly women, were taking martial arts at the time. Uh, it, was, it was a big th- empowerment movement uh, around our response to being women in the world. I myself did not. I'd never, it never drew me. Mm -hmm. at the time. But I heard this story about this woman who first went to, as you mentioned, you know, a a, uh, self-defense class. Mm -hmm. She really liked it. She took up the study, Mm -hmm. got very serious, and eventually got her black belt. Mm -hmm. And she decided 
the next weekend, I guess, after getting the black belt, that she would find the diviest bar she could find. Mm. And she would go sit in there and, and see what happened. You know, she was, mm-hmm. if anyone fought her, she was going to, you know, <laughs> right. bring out her skills, right? Mm-hmm. So she went into this very divey bar. No one came anywhere near her. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, that's a mysterious story on one level. But I think it's what we're talking about that we kind of have some influence on how we're perceived. And that does connect with what comes back to us. Is that what you're talking about? Absolutely. What it really comes down to is how do you present yourself when it comes to external factors? Now, as a martial artist, I would say that uh, your friend at the time really would need to work on her actual confidence because Absolutely. a con- yeah, because a confident person wouldn't do that. No. Uh, and 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 to me that martial arts instruction that she received now not not saying what she was given, okay? I'm saying the martial arts instruction she received, she really focused so much on this external that there's something internally within her that was that was and still might be really off. You don't go out looking for a fight and right. wishing and wishing somebody would. No, uh, yeah. and, and I think that was uh, a sign of the times. Yeah, that there was a lot of fury in why all those women were learning martial arts. Yeah, and some of them found their way through that to what you're talking about, and some. Pe- but I. But the the. Um, the story stuck with me yes. more because um, she didn't need to do that. Not at all. She was already there. <laughs> you know, there was, there was no, uh, you can bring out your fight if you need to, but most of the time there's, there's other options. There's always other options. There's always a better way. And that's something that I really focus on with my martial arts training, with uh, developing shows, uh, with the relationships that I have with my friends, with Alex. Uh, Alex is my son. There's always a better way. And we're trying to uh, open the box on what those choices are. Yes. And the only way to open that box is to really start to dig in to yourself, really start to understand, and this is me being me, really start to understand all of the negative things that may be happening because you're the one actually causing them. Just saying. Uh, I'm going to say influencing them. Okay. Don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little intent on that. Cool. Winston, it's been great spending an hour with you talking about you. Uh, It's been a pleasure. Thanks for being with me today. You know I love you. Thank you. I love you too. And again, you can find Winston at www.linkedin.com slash in slash Winston Price. And he's in the um, Phoenix area in case you'd like to get into some training.
Next week, I'll welcome Rob and Andrea Zucker. Rob's been a leader in the field of grief and children for many years, speaking of that, authoring the book, The Journey Through Grief and Loss, Helping Yourself and Your Child When Grief is Shared. He and his wife are currently bringing all their experience with grief to bear in facing his wife's pancreatic cancer, and they'll both be joining me on the show. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.